It's good to see everybody. Uh, welcome to RUF. Um, this is our large group. We're here every Tuesday. Uh, my name is Davis Sweat. I am the RUF campus minister here. Um, and my job is to hang out with y'all while you're in college, to walk with you through probably the most formative time of your life. Um, to, I really want to get to know you. So if I uh, get your number and I text you out of the blue just to get some coffee or something, uh, I promise I'm, I'm not trying to be creepy, uh, even though it might seem a little bit like that. Uh, I really just want to get to know you uh, and learn your story, uh, just learn ways that I can serve you while you're here. Uh, my wife is in the back. Val, raise your hand. Um, a lot of people say that she is way, way cooler than I am. So, uh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so we have, two, uh, I almost said two kids. We have three kids. We just had a baby two weeks ago. Um, and we have a three-year-old named Wynn. He's a boy. Uh, One-and-a-half-year-old girl. Um, she is, her name is Darby, okay? And then, uh, and then another girl, Maddie. So if you ever want to babysit or come hold a baby or hang out at our house, we'd love to have you, uh, seriously. Um, so to open up, about a year ago, um, I was at a training uh, conference with one of my friends, another pastor friend, and we were sharing uh, a room at this conference. And in the middle of the night, I don't know if you've ever, ha ever had this experience, you, you wake up um, and you just think you're back at your house, but you're, you know, you're somewhere else, you're discombobulated. Um, and so I woke up like this, and all of a sudden I'm like, when did we get two beds in our room? Uh, and also, why is my wife sleeping in the bed next to me? Um, so what I did, I, you know, confused, I like, I kind of stumble over. Um, and I get over by where he's sleeping. I mean, my wife, where my wife's sleeping, obviously. And, and I lift up the covers. And, and I start climbing into bed. Um, and then suddenly, he like... His eyes lock with mine. And he just stares at me. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, uh, that's not my wife. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? And so I didn't know what to do. So all I did was I just ran. Uh, and I jumped back into my bed and just pulled the covers over me. And then both of us just kind of sit there in silence and then go to sleep. And we actually didn't even talk about that the next day. We kind of just didn't really lock eyes. Uh, but we ended up, you know, talking about it. I told him what happened. We're friends. Uh, he's never rooming with me again. Um, but we're, you know, we're still, we're still friends. He understands. The reason I tell you all this, um, because it, what it does is it actually reminds me that it's really important to know who's in front of you. Uh, or know what's in front of you so that you can actually understand how to relate to it, right? Um, you know, that, that really goes for everything. Think about when you go to class uh, this Thursday. You're going to go and you're going to receive a syllabus uh, from whatever class you're in. And this essentially says, you know, here's what you can expect in this class. Here's how you're supposed to relate to us. Uh, and so tonight, here's what I want to do. Uh, what I want to try to do is actually just briefly convey to you uh, what is RUF? So that you can actually understand how to relate to it. 
you can understand how to relate to us. That every single one of us actually enters uh, this room from different backgrounds, uh, from different stories. We all actually come from different places. Uh, and so in a sense, you know, some, sometimes that's why it can be kind of awkward. We're trying to get to know each other and we're all different. Embrace the awkward, baby. Like that, that's, that's this first couple weeks of school. That's kind of what happens. But, but essentially, uh, it's the same idea of uh, what I want to do tonight is what is RUF? So what we're going to do is we're going to read Acts 8. It's printed in your bulletins. If you have your Bible, that's great. Open your Bible and turn there, Acts 8, 26 through 40. And we're going to just walk through two things. Here's the two things. Who are we in RUF? That's what we're going to see. And what do we do in RUF? Who are, who are we and what do we do? Um, so I'm going to read Acts 8.26, starting at verse 4. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to unpack this a little bit, all right? Dear God, thank you for bringing everyone here tonight. Uh, thank you for giving us a place on campus um, to just have an opportunity to maybe encounter you, to worship you, uh, to actually come and ask questions. God, uh, we all come from different places. Some of us had great summers. God, some of us had really hard summers. Some of us had uh, really hard weeks. And I, I just pray for this. We can talk about what is RUF, but God, I actually just pray that uh, we would just actually learn more and more who you are. Uh, that you would actually use this time to show us yourself. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the first thing I want us to ask this text is who are we? Who are we in RUF? 
And I, I think what really actually gets at this understanding a little bit is learning a little bit about this Ethiopian eunuch. Here's the description in verse 27. An Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Now, I don't know if, do I need to explain fully what a eunuch is? I mean, it's kind of, I'm not going to explain it fully, but here's basically the common story of what a eunuch is. All right. So here's how men became eunuchs. I'm not going to walk through all the details, okay? But just giving you a little background story, this is actually a common story in ancient times. So essentially what would happen is you have in ancient times a commoner, someone who doesn't come from a royal family, doesn't come from kind of a high status. Uh, and so they need to prove something to sort of gain status and, and be able to actually move up in the world. And so what they do is they seek to work in the court of the king or the queen. However, because they're commoners, uh, royalty actually wouldn't fully trust them until they prove themselves trustworthy. And so this is actually one of the reasons why these men would actually castrate themselves and mutilate themselves so that he could actually be deemed worthy to be in this court. And in ancient times, this was actually huge. Like, you were basically declaring your line is cut off. You have no family. You know, you're, you're no more. You're now actually married to this king or this queen or this court, right? You've, you've pledged your loyalty to them. You will do whatever it takes to move up, right? To, to gain status. And I don't know where all of you come from, but perhaps actually you can relate a little bit. Have some sort of, uh, how can I have some sort of dignity? Some sort of honor, some sort of status in whatever particular group I'm in? You know, or whoever you're identifying with? You know, all of you are here and you're all in college, um, which means you're part of a certain class of people uh, that have made it to higher education, right? So maybe you're here and you're extremely smart. You're really, really smart. You will do whatever you can to, uh, to you know, get to that next thing, pass that grade. You know, you give up time. You know, sometimes you got to give up relationships. Sometimes you got to give up sleep, right? In order that you're going to get that next thing, achieve it. Get that degree, potentially get a job, make money, make something of yourself in the world. You know, some of you, it, it, you might give up even more. I give up everything. Uh, and maybe in doing that, like this Ethiopian, uh, you'll finally feel worth. You'll finally feel like you made it. You'll be fulfilled. Uh, maybe others of you, you know, you may be here and you're excited. You're starting college, right? Maybe you've thought of, uh, you know, your years in high school and, you know, this is a way to turn the leaf, right? This is a way to start fresh. You're smart, you're attractive, you're cool, you're popular, you know, you can't wait to live it up. You know, take campus by storm. Be a part of whatever club, whatever organization, join a fraternity, sorority, you know, seek to achieve some sort of belonging, right? Identify with these groups, why? I think because sometimes we, we really feel like if we did that, then 
that's going to actually get us somewhere. We're going to be fulfilled. Maybe it'll be worth something. But notice further, here's the interesting thing with this Ethiopian. He has a relatively important job. He works in the queen's court. It's actually a really good job to have. He's a eunuch, but he's well-respected. He's actually trusted now. Um, but he's traveling back from worship in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is over 1,000 miles away, just to kind of give you a picture of Ethiopia and Jerusalem. And to kind of give you an idea, so we took a group to the beach this summer, which this is kind of a shameless plug. Y'all should consider going to summer conference. Seriously. It's in Panama City Beach. It's 1,000 miles away. It's 1,000 miles away. It's, it's like Ethiopia here. Jerusalem is Panama City Beach. Now, now, okay, imagine back in the day you are traveling on foot or horseback or camel or, or whatever it is uh, to get to uh, Jerusalem. I mean, it would take hours. It took us 15 hours. I mean, it would take days. It took us 15 hours to travel all the way. It would take days. It would take weeks, months maybe. Uh, and notice this. This Ethiopian eunuch has gone out of his way to travel all the way to Jerusalem. Now, why is that? For someone from Ethiopia who has an important job in the queen's court, why would he actually feel the need to go all the way to Jerusalem to worship? I think it's because he actually feels like he's missing something. I think he feels it. I think it's because he's actually heard about a God that's in Jerusalem. And I think he's thirsty. And I think he's actually wanting to experience him. Because this guy is still missing something. He's thirsty. And he hears that the God that people worship in Jerusalem might actually be a God that quenches his thirst. So he travels a thousand miles, a thousand miles to get there just to perhaps maybe experience that. It kind of reminds me of this interview with Steve Jobs, um, the creator of Apple, creator of uh, basically every bit of technology that is um, controlling your life right now. Uh, Multi-billionaire, one of the richest, most successful people uh, to ever live. And on his deathbed, he was interviewed, and, and here's what he said. You know, I've reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is the epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to. At this moment, lying on uh, the sickbed and recalling my whole life, I realized that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. So this man who, who basically could do anything he wanted, outwardly, he's still thirsting. I don't know if y'all felt that. And like this Ethiopian eunuch, he's thirsty. Maybe like some of you. When I think about who we are in RUF, here's one thing I want y'all to understand. We are not a Christian club where everyone here is just a card-carrying, licensed, Christian. That's actually not who we are. That actually knows how to say the right things and do the right things. Uh, the good people, 
Uh, no. People who come here, you may not even know who Jesus is. You know, whether you believe or don't believe, whether you are completely convinced of the claims of the Bible, uh, or are completely unconvinced, and maybe even, in fact, angry about the way the Bible portrays you, RUF is for you. RUF is for you. RUF is for you. It's for the person who grew up in the church and now he just wants to learn how to grow as a Christian, but doesn't necessarily know how. And, and all he hears is, you know, you're a Christian, now just do more, right? Disciple more, love more, read the Bible more, have quiet time more, uh, be on leadership team more. <laughs> and, and you get this idea, okay, well, is that what it means to be a Christian? Is that what it means to grow? Almost as if it, what it means is just, you're an employee of God now. That's not true. RUF is for you. RUF is for you to grow. It's also for the person who may have happened to just wander here tonight, would just wander in, who, who doesn't believe the Bible, doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way to quench your thirst. Maybe you've been burned by church people. Maybe you felt like your questions are stupid. Your doubts are something that you can't blame. Maybe, maybe you feel like everything about you would actually never belong here. Know that we want you to belong. We actually want you here. Bring them. Bring your doubts. Bring your questions. RUF is for you. So if that's who we are in RUF, if we're a group of people, Christians, some non-Christians, doubters, people struggling, people learning, people growing, people trying to understand what is this Christian thing, if that's who we are, what is it we do? What is it we do? And, and to give a simple statement, here's what we do, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit more. In RUF, we are a community that explores scripture together with a hope that we would see, encounter, and be transformed by Jesus. In a nutshell, that's what we do. That is what we do. So going back to the passage, notice this Ethiopian. Ethiopian he, he has just come from Jerusalem where he has attended worship. And one of the things about Jewish worship was that there were certain people uh, back then in, in Judaism, it, you actually couldn't fully attend the gathering. That it, kind of Jewish sects, these people, they kind of have created this structure to where you actually, you know, they wanted you there, but you couldn't fully attend. There were places in the back courtyard uh, of the temple where you could experience worship on the outside, but they weren't fully part of the community. In other words, you weren't fully Jewish. You weren't fully Jewish in nature. You were a God-fear. Maybe you believed in the God of Judaism, but you weren't ethnically part of it. So they, you, know, you could be there, but you could be on the outside. And one of these types of people actually was a eunuch. It's actually one of the type of people that actually couldn't fully come in. Uh, not only that, but most likely, here's most likely what he would have encountered in this temple. Uh, he would have experienced two different types of Jewish 
kind of tribes, Jewish sects. They were uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And if you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard some of these two different types of Jewish uh, people because they're, they're throughout the Bible. Um, both Jews at the temple, but they kind of have sort of different emphases. So the Pharisees, they would have been kind of the religious elites. So we think, you know, sometimes we hear Pharisees today, and if you grew up in the church, you're kind of like, oh, hypocrites. Boo! I don't want to be like a Pharisee. But back then, they actually were pretty well-respected people. They knew their Bibles. They were religious scholars. Uh, these people would have been recognized as great religious leaders. People who, uh, you know, they never missed a Bible study. They were leading the Bible studies. You know, they were zealous. Uh, they never missed an RUF large group. Never. Not once. The Pharisees. Uh, but what had seeped into their religious way of life uh, was just these intense rules. These laws, these regulations of, of how to fully be in it to maintain. Right? You had to look a certain way. You had to be really serious. And so it created this sort of class system within Judaism. Uh, now the Sadducees, here's the other group. They would have been the ones who were considered the high priests. Uh, these were the ones that they ran the judicial courts. These were the ones that would have been able to push certain political agendas because they were kicking it with the, the Roman Empire. Um, they kept people in check. They were well-respected by the government. Uh, and so they were kind of the political elites. So for a second, just for a second, imagine this. You're, you're this eunuch, and you're thirsty. And you decide to travel a thousand miles just with the chance of, of quenching this thirst, of experiencing this God that you've heard about. And what happens is actually you're met by a church maybe where you, you, aren't, you don't fully belong. Uh, you're on the outside looking in. Maybe you're met by people that actually seem to care way more about how you look, um, what laws you're breaking, how you're maintaining community. Um, Maybe you would have met people with a certain political agenda that was tied to what they were doing. And again, I don't know where you're at, but maybe some of you actually can relate to this eunuch. Maybe you've actually been disappointed by the church. Uh, maybe by the people in the church. Maybe, maybe you felt like you don't belong. Well, it just so happens that as we go on, and I, I'll, I'll be wrapping up, that one of Jesus' disciples, someone who had walked with him for three years, had experienced him rise from the dead, was walking on the same path of this eunuch. And so if what we do in RUF is, in community, we explore scripture together with the hope that we would see, encounter, and be transformed by Jesus, what does it mean if we are community? Well, notice Philip, who overhears him reading. He asks him a good question. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And, and the eunuch responds, how can I unless someone guides me? And so here in RUF, one thing we believe is that none of you actually are meant to do this Christian thing on your own, apart from being in community. We live in a world that emphasizes the individual. Uh, we love being autonomous people. You know, we, with our individual rights, individual freedoms, our own lives, we say statements like, you know, you do you and I'll do me, right? Uh, I'll live my life, and if I don't bother you, that's great. You live your life. We don't need, essentially, we don't need each other. But understand that you're actually missing something if you go through life on your own. It's actually why some of you 
feel the most alone in a crowded room. Some of you actually might tonight feel the most alone. Uh, that you can actually go through your entire college years, every single one of you, uh, and actually not be known by anyone. You know, maybe they know your favorite TV shows, what music you listen to, your major, right? What we did during the icebreaker. Uh, but do people know you? You know, that you can be with somebody every day and not truly be known. And so one thing we long actually hear is to actually be a community where you're known. It's why we actually really encourage small groups. It, it doesn't even, I, I encourage you, get involved with a small group. It doesn't even have to be RUF. Get involved with a small group, be known. Have a place in people that actually know you. They know your hurts. They know your struggles, they know your pain, they know your story. Uh, so this, this Thursday, we have an ice cream social. Come, you can sign up for small groups. That's a great opportunity. But if not, I, I still encourage you, get, get involved with a small group. So we're a community here, but also we're a community It does something specific. We explore scripture. Uh, look at verse 35. After Philip has asked this eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch with honesty, he basically says, no, I don't. Uh, why? Because no one's actually shown me. No one's actually guided me. And in verse 35, it says this. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip starts with the Bible. He actually starts with the Old Testament. Now, keep in mind, this is a guy who has walked with Jesus for three years, every single day. This guy knew the ins and outs of what Jesus did. He probably had story after story of just stuff Jesus personally told him or stuff he actually like witnessed with his own eyes. He could have told this man all this stuff. But Philip didn't know that. Why? I think it's kind of weird. Because here's why. Here's why I think. I think... Philip really believes that what this guy actually needs is not his own opinions, but he needs scripture. That actually scripture tells him who Jesus is way better than anything he could do. And so again, we believe here in RUF that the Bible really does reveal who God is. It really does reveal who Jesus is. And so that's actually why we study it. Now, that doesn't mean you come here and you've got it all figured out. You know, you know all the answers. You, you, you know, you're completely convinced about everything with the Bible. But what we're going to do is we're going to open it every week. And we're going to try to figure out what, what is it God is saying. Because if we really believe in a God, we believe he speaks. And this is the way he speaks. So, ultimately, why is that? Why does he speak through this? Because in RUF, we hope to actually see, encounter, and be transformed by Jesus. And here's what's interesting about this particular scroll, uh, which is what the Bible was written on back then. It's what this eunuch would have had. Uh, he's reading from a passage from an Old Testament prophet known as Isaiah uh, from chapter four, uh, 53. And three chapters later, in chapter 56, it says this. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from the people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. 
For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And so here's what some scholars think. Here's what some commentators think. They think that this eunuch here was actually searching for this eunuch passage in Isaiah. And what he does is he actually lands on 53 instead. I think he's just like grabbed one of the scrolls, close enough. And he lands on 53, and here's what it says. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And again, imagine this. You can imagine this eunuch who literally feels these things. He's been cut off. He actually feels these things that this passage in 53 is actually talking about. Who humiliated himself? That he, he castrated himself, who literally has no other generation that will come from them, whose life and family is literally taken away from the earth. And he looks up at Philip. And hesitatingly, he asked, who is this talking about? Is it about a prophet or is it about someone else? And it, you can actually feel the tension. To me, it's like fear that this eunuch may be feeling. You know, is it describing me? And Philip opens his mouth. And starting with this very scripture, that this is about Jesus. That, that Jesus actually became a eunuch for you, for this eunuch. That he's saying, Jesus, actually, this is who he's describing. You may feel this, but this is actually how Jesus, this is describing Jesus. Jesus was actually cast outside of the temple. Jesus was mutilated and went through all the experience that you felt in this. And so you can actually just picture the unit actually recognizing this, that because of Jesus, he actually isn't cut off. This is why with eager joy, he demands, Philip, baptize me. I want to be a part of this. He encounters him. He sees him. He's transformed by Jesus. He wants to be a part of that community. It actually changes him. And so understand, I, again, I don't know where you're at, but that's what we want here. That's what you're going to get when you come here. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. RUF is for you. Come. And our hope is that you will come and you'll experience and encounter Jesus. Like this eunuch who quenches, quenches his thirst finally and actually provides for all of his longings. So that's what we do. That's who we are and that's what we do. And I, and I hope... Um, next week you'll come back. Um, this semester we'll be starting a series on the Beatitudes, um, which actually kind of gives us a vision of a flourishing Christian life, believe it or not, which is kind of weird when you look at the Beatitudes. Um, so I hope you'll come back and we can explore scripture uh, and that ultimately we'll encounter Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat>
Dear God, we thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you for just this time that we have to study your word. Um, and I just pray for uh, just the, all the different um, ways um, you have brought people here. Um, all the different uh, stories, all the different people. And I just pray for wherever everyone here is at. Um, that you would meet them. That you would come, move towards them. And that they would encounter who you are. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.